You're listening to a teaching from Vineyard Church in Jacksonville, Florida. For more information on teachings and special events, visit us online at www.vcjax.org. That's vcjax.org. Now, let's listen in. Over the last few weeks, as we've been moving into this new year, Bob has been encouraging us to dream bigger, you know, to dream beyond our limitations. And tonight I want to kind of continue down that trail a little bit and talk to you about, uh, on the topic of dreaming with God. Uh, At least my take on it. I think it was last week we were introduced to a quote by Mark Batterson who said, if your dream doesn't scare you, it's too small. I like that. If your dream doesn't scare you, it's too small. That we were created to dream. We were created to live beyond our limitations. We were created to live beyond what seems possible in the eyes of man. And all throughout Scripture, read these stories about how God's plan for His people led them beyond their limitations. Right? And not just in their, their physical abilities, but it led them beyond the limits and the laws of nature of what was considered possible. Right? In the natural, a woman who is barren does not give birth to a child, but, but Sarah did. In the natural, seas just don't part and create these pathways of freedom that nations walk through and, and route to their destiny and, and walk in the fulfillment of the promises of God. And the natural, you know, dead people don't wake up. But when we look in Scripture, all these things happened. And so as we dream, we have to look beyond what our natural eyes can see. We have to look beyond what what we see in the natural until our perspective, till we share the same perspective with God. We have to look until we take hold that we can clearly see His desire for us and His desire for the world around us. Bob had mentioned that 2017 is a year of hope. It's a year that God wants to release His hope. And, and I'm in agreement with that. I think it's a good year to be just uh, undone and overwhelmed by hope. And because of that, it's imperative that we give ourselves permission to dream with God, to dream and begin to live beyond our, our limitations. And so what, is it, what does it look like to dream with God? Again, I'm just sharing from my experience. In my experience, dreaming with God is not coming up with the, mo- the most fantastical, I don't know if that's a word, but the most fantastical idea and then asking God to bless it. Right? We have to step out in faith, but we must remember that faith isn't faith unless we're stepping out in obedience to what God has called us to do. When we step out to do what we want to do, what's that called? Presumption. And there's a big difference between faith and presumption. And so dreaming with God isn't just coming up with some grand idea that has shock value and that that proves that we are willing to do things for God. If I was to go into my quiet time and I came back and I reported to you that at 41 years old, standing five foot seven, the Lord has called me to try out for the Los Angeles Lakers because he wants me to have a world championship ring. 
Yeah, your response would probably be, let's, let's look on eBay. You know, maybe, maybe we can find you one. And, and I don't, it's not that what God asks us to do. So in some ways, it could be more grand than that. But, but this is the key. The, the key is not, can we come up with some extravagant expression? But the key is obedience. That we would just simply respond to what he's asking us to do. I've told you guys before I love the movie Braveheart. And part of the reason is I, I think that I would love Jody the way that, you know, I would sacrifice and love Jody the way that William Wallace sacrificed for his, his love. When something happened, I, I would do whatever it takes. I carry that in my heart. And yet she asked me to take out the garbage and I rolled my eyes. Right? A lot of times we want to love people the way we want to love people. But God says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. And so loving God is not coming up with some idea to demonstrate how, how much we can sacrifice and how much we can give. Loving God is doing the things that he has asked us to do. It's understanding the purpose for which we were created and walking in that direction. It's about learning to trust learning to trust God that our, our heart is in condition in such a way that the yes is on our lips before the request is made. In other words, we sign the check and then we just allow him to fill in the blank. When we dream with God, he is faithful to remove the restrictions that sometimes we place on our heart. He removes the, the things that can distract us from seeing him clearly and therefore responding to him. When I was 11 years old, my family moved from uh, Fort Worth, Texas to Tallahassee, Florida. And ultimately, the, the plan was for my parents to start a church, which they did. But I remember that morning really clearly. We were loading up the U-Haul truck. We had a, a dog, a bird dog, beautiful dog, and she had just had puppies. So it was my dad driving the U-Haul and... I'm in the, in the cab with all the puppies. And my mom is driving the car following behind with my, my brother and my sister. And she's actually at the time pregnant with my youngest brother. And so we're just, you know, a crazy crew. And we're, we're, we're heading from Fort Worth, uh, to Tallahassee, Florida. It's not quite as bad as some of y'all's moving experiences, uh, Gary, but, <laughs> but, but you, you can feel my pain. And, uh, so we're somewhere in Mississippi and, we <laughs> were somewhere in Mississippi and there's like this traffic traffic jam where we're kind of caught. And my dad, he needs to accelerate to be able to maneuver in within the traffic. And, and I, I remember it, he got really frustrated because he couldn't accelerate and he couldn't accelerate because there was there was a restriction. There was a, a, a governor on the truck and it only allowed it to go 60 miles an hour. And so a governor, it just basically, it limits the speed. It, it determines how fast the truck can go. And so he was really frustrated because it was actually became dangerous because he couldn't get to where he needed to be. It's interesting. The truck had a mechanism placed on it that was meant to make it more safe. But in that moment, it was causing us to be in harm's way. And that story just came to me as I was preparing for this evening. And I started to think, you know, what are the decisions that we make in our life that we think are bringing us protection, that we think are bringing us safety, that are actually 
working against us. We'll come full circle in a second, but in Jeremiah, we're told that while we were in the womb, that God knew us. And that word knew, the definition is complete. It's from the beginning to the end, that he knew everything about us. We, You guys know that before the foundations of the earth, that God established the plans and the purposes that he had for us. And God is, he's wooing us, he's drawing us, he's calling us to walk with him, to co-labor with him, to fulfill the plans and the purposes that he has. But how many of you guys know in that process, life happens? That things don't always go the way that we think. That people hurt us, people let us down, you can feel betrayed. And so often, when we get to that place, we want to set up these safeguards so that we don't experience what we experienced again. You know, I, I said yes to Jesus. I stepped out and the person just let me down. I'm never doing that again. And we make these declarations and we set up these walls that we think we're putting in place to keep us from being hurt. And before long, we've, we've created a prison cell that we live in because we don't want to be hurt. And so we, we begin to dream and our dreams are confined to the limitations that we've set up for ourselves because we don't want to be hurt. And dreaming with God, as I said, it's not so much about coming up with this new idea, but it's quieting ourselves and allowing Him to remove all of the stuff that we've, that we've set up to protect ourselves so that we can fully embrace and walk in the purpose for which He created us. When David was a young man, He grew up watching his father's sheep, worshiping God, interacting with with the Father, interacting with heaven. And God looks at David and he says, you're a man after my own heart. He shared the same heart with God, the same values. There wasn't anything limiting him from walking in the purpose for which he was created. His obedience wasn't regulated by fear. Does does that make sense to you? Like, I'm going to step out in obedience to a certain point, but if I go any further, that's where the pain comes, and so I'm just going to stop. David didn't experience that. And so when as a young man, he went to the battlefield to bring food to his brothers. And when he did, he he saw something that just made him angry. And there's there's this giant that that is defiling the armies of the Lord, that is speaking against the armies of the Lord. And in that moment, he notices that, that this is not right. And because his obedience to God wasn't regulated by fear, it wasn't limited by his past, limited by his pain, he took the next step and he did something about it. And he defeated a giant. See, everybody else that was there on the battlefield, they knew what was wrong, but they were afraid. And they couldn't move beyond their fear. They couldn't move beyond their limitations. And so their response was, somebody must do something about that. And see what happens when we still ourselves and we begin to dream with God. We allow him access to our heart. He begins to remove the pain. He begins to move the walls, the things that that we think are protecting us that are really keeping us from him. Those things begin to crumble and fall apart. And when that happens, we begin to see the world completely different. When we walk out and we see the giants of our day, we see the young girls that are being sold as slaves. 
And our response just isn't, well, somebody should do something about that. But if that's what we put on the earth to do, then we step into it because our obedience to God isn't regulated by our fear. It's not limited by our experience. And dreaming with God, like I said, it's not about coming up with, with this new idea. It's walking in obedience and it's allowing it's God to position us to actually fulfill the plans and the purposes, the thing that, that He has called us to, that we've been created to do. And, and I want to talk just for a minute about that because sometimes I think we have an inaccurate view of the plans that God has for our life. I want you to look at it this way. You know, when you need a new suit, you go to the tailor. Or you go to the store and you buy the suit off the rack. But for the purpose of this example, let's say when you when you buy a new suit, you go to the tailor. What, the tailor, he comes in, he makes all of his measurements, he sizes you up, and then he creates this suit to fit you perfectly. He fashions something to fit what was already there. And sometimes I think that's that's how we view God. When it comes to his plan for our life, that some somewhere in time, you know, we were born and then God takes notice of us. And then he sizes us up and he takes into account all of our inadequacies, all of our limitations, all of our weaknesses. And then he designs this plan that, that we can handle in our own strength. He kind of dumbs it down for us. And I think sometimes we have that idea of who we are and what we're capable of, that we're really only capable of doing things that, that, that we feel strong about, that we feel confident about. The opposite is true. God's plans and His purposes, they've been established before the foundations of the earth. And He didn't create a plan based on human nature and our ability to accomplish things in our own strength. He established a plan out of His nature, knowing that it would require relationship with Him to do the very thing that we were created to do. I'm going to say that again. He didn't create a plan based upon human nature and our ability to accomplish things in our own strength. He established a plan out of Himself, out of His nature, knowing that it would require relationship with Him to accomplish the very thing that we were created to accomplish. See, He speaks. He speaks greatness into us, and we become great. He speaks greatness into us, over our weakness, into our weak areas, and He makes us great. Bob mentioned Gideon. We like to pick on Gideon. But Gideon, when he comes on the scene, he, he's, we find him in a, in a wine press and he's threshing wheat. He's, he's making supper. And he's scared that if he does it in the open that someone's going to come and take everything he has. So he's hiding in this wine press. But it's interesting because in heaven, Gideon's story was already written. In heaven, there, there's this story written about this mighty man of valor that's full of courage. That's, you know, this warrior for God. And, and so the angel of the Lord is coming to, to speak to Gideon, right? And, and you can almost, you know, maybe he has this anticipation. He's going to meet this, this man full of courage and this warrior. And, and he shows up on the scene and there's Gideon in a wine press, threshing wheat. And you can almost, it's kind of comical, you can almost see this angel kind of looking at this and he's he's recounting the story and it, something doesn't quite add, add up and he, maybe he goes back to the father and he's like, you know, I know we wrote this story, but, you know, maybe we should change a few things because this guy is terrified. 
This certainly isn't, you know, this this man of valor. Maybe we could make him just one of the guys that makes the clay pots that will break. Let, let's do that. Let's do something that, that, let's dumb this thing down. And it's not who God is. He is confident in who he is. He, he, he is not intimidated by our weakness at all. Because he's confident in his strength. And God always, always relates to us based upon who He's created us to be. He has never seen you as anything less than who He has created you to be. In your weakest moment, I would probably guess that we all have moments that we are so glad are not being played up in the screen behind me. And in those moments that would embarrass us, our faces would turn all kinds of shades of red. In those moments, God has always seen you as the person that He created you to be. And He always relates to you that way. He always interacts with you that way. In life, we have two choices. We can either dream within the boundaries of our weakness, or we can dream with God. We can dream within the boundaries of our weakness, or we can dream with God. When we dream within the boundaries of our weakness, we are allowing our past to define our future. We are allowing our past to define our future. And we, we have thoughts like, well, because of what I've done, I just don't deserve good things to happen to me. You know, I had a chance, I had an opportunity, and I failed. I, I blew it. There's no way that God could use me now. I've been hurt before, right? I, I stepped out. Someone let me down. And I'm just not going to do that again. If we dream within the boundaries of our weakness, we are allowing our past to define our future. But I love the fact that the Bible is full of ordinary people that allow God to use them beyond the sin in their life, beyond the limitation, beyond their weaknesses. And I'm, I'm sure you guys have heard this before, but it's always a fun reminder to look at the people in the Bible and how God used them. So we have Noah. Noah was a drunk. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Leah was ugly. Joseph was abused. Moses was a, had a stuttering problem. Gideon was afraid. Samson had long hair and was a womanizer. I don't know about that long hair thing. I, Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah was too young. David was an adulterer and he was a murderer. Elijah was suicidal. Isaiah preached naked. Oh, Lord. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. John the Baptist ate bugs. Andrew lived in the shadow of his big brother. Peter denied Christ. All of the disciples fell asleep while praying. And they ran away when Jesus really needed them. Martha worried about everything. The Samaritan woman was divorced more than once. Mary Magdalene was demon-possessed. Zacchaeus was too small. Timothy had an ulcer. He worried. Paul was a, a Christian killer. And Lazarus was dead. I just love that. I, I love that reminder that, that the church, that everything that we believe, everything that we hold dear was established by ordinary people. It wasn't a group of spiritual elites. It was people that hurt. It was people that, that had weaknesses, that had flaws, and yet God used them. Isaiah 43, verse 18, it says, Forget the former things. 
Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and a stream in the wasteland. You know, if you feel like you're in the wilderness, it's good news. Because God is making a way. You know, I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life, I just feel like I've made a mess of my life. Just made a mess of it. It's good news. He's making a way. He's bringing life into the wasteland. Our past doesn't determine our future. God's plan for our life does. A man by the name of Erwin McManus makes this statement. He says, humans have a unique capacity to imagine themselves differently than we are. Isn't that cool? Humans have a unique capacity to imagine ourselves differently than we are. There's something in our DNA that says we don't have to settle. Just because it's always been a certain way doesn't mean that's the way that it always has to be. Right? There's people that have the last name of farmer or carpenter or smith. And, and we, we understand why. Somewhere, you know, their great-great-great-great-grandfather was a carpenter or was a blacksmith. And then their son was a carpenter, and their son was a carpenter. But somewhere along the line, someone said, you know, I don't want to be a carpenter. And today, there can be someone that has that name that is a doctor. Someone can be named Smith, and they can be an accountant. We're not locked into our circumstances. Just because things have been a certain way for generations don't mean that they have to stay the same. We can move beyond our limitations God can literally change our name to fit the plan He has for our lives. He can rearrange the desires and the motivations of our heart. Paul is probably the person that has has had the most influence on the church, I would say, at least one of them. And in the early years, he was called to establish the church, and he was persecuting and killing Christians. Talk about a plan gone bad. Uh, that, that gives me hope. I've had some plans go awry, but I don't know that I was ever like 180 degrees in the wrong direction. He was doing the complete opposite of what he was created to do, and yet God used him to transform the world. It's who encourage us. I want to look at one more point, and then we'll, we'll close. And Scripture tells us that all things are possible to those who believe, right? We know that everything is possible. All we have to do is believe. And that's a real simple concept to grasp, you know, to understand. It's a lot harder to to execute, to walk out. It's kind of like with me when I'm, you know, trying to get in shape and I'm working out and I'm trying to lose weight. The concept of losing weight is really simple to understand, right? You just burn more calories than you take in. The execution on that, on the other hand, is, is a little more difficult, especially when there's like apple pies and ice cream and everything all around. It's a, it's a simple concept. And this idea of, yeah, all we have to do is believe and then everything is available. Everything is possible. And so what does it look like to believe? If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 4, verse 18. And this is the uh, testimony of Abraham. 
He says, in hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he heard it told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about a 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That last line, he was, he was fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. When, when we look at the beginning of that scripture, it says, in hope he believed against hope. There's two forces that are colliding there. There is hope and hopelessness. Everything in his situation, all of his circumstances say that he should be hopeless. But yet God's promise says uh, that, that he would be the father of many nations. Hope and hopelessness. Faith and fear. You know, faith and fear are the opposite side of the same coin. They're both the belief that something that hasn't happened yet is going to happen. Right? Faith is the belief that something good that hasn't happened yet is going to happen. And fear is the belief that something bad that hasn't happened yet is going to happen. And in this process of moving beyond our limitations, moving beyond the fear, allowing God to move the things that hinder us from walking fully in the purposes and the plans that He has for our life, it will always lead us to a choice. It always comes to this place of decision. Do we, do we say yes to God? Do we choose to walk in hope? Do we choose to believe the promises of God? Or do we choose to believe the lies of the enemy? And it always requires us to, to respond. It requires action. We, we talk about faith and how you spell faith, R-I-S-K. That faith requires risk. And that's true, but I would add to that that while faith requires risk, risk requires action. They've never given out a medal of honor for someone to someone for having a courageous thought. We don't get to walk in the benefit of belief unless we actually act on what we believe. Faith requires risk and risk requires action. And to move beyond our circumstances requires action. And there has to be desire for the things of God over the fear of man, over the fear of failure, over the fear of falling on your face, over the fear of losing everything. You know, 20 years ago, almost 20 years ago, Jody and I were living in Tallahassee, and we loaded up our U-Haul truck, and we moved to Jacksonville. Because there was something in me that, that wanted to connect with the heart of God and, and worship Him in a, in a deeper way and help lead other people. And I wanted to learn how to do that. And so we moved. We didn't have jobs. We didn't have things lined up. Because there, the desire to walk and, and the, the plans and the purposes of God were greater than the, feel of fa- the fear of failure. You know, later on in our life, 
you know, we've made a couple of cross-country moves. We've, we've moved to places to establish things where we didn't have jobs and we didn't know where we were going to stay. When we moved to Destin, Florida to start a church, we had just come back from Australia. We'd been there for a month and we loaded up this, our stuff and we, we came down and found a place. Now, I like it better when God leads you and gives you, you know, the job you're taking and you, and you know the place to stay. So please don't hear me. It doesn't have to be that way all the time. But, but what I'm saying, this, this idea that we can, we can live our life any way we want to without any cost. And at the same time, we can be close to the, be close to the heart of God and we can fulfill His plans and purposes for our life. That's, I think there's some error in that. To know God the way that David knew God, that it would be said of us that we had a heart after God. It cost. It requires you to be uncomfortable. It requires you to step out and look foolish. Remember, David was the one that, that danced before God, that looked like a complete fool. It costs you to move beyond the limitations, to move beyond our fears. And so I just, I want to encourage you to, to press into God. Allow Him to remove the, the obstacles, the, the, the walls that we've erected ourselves, thinking that we're protecting ourselves. Allow Him to remove those things. The safest place that we can ever be is in His presence. He's a good God. He is perfect love. So I want to encourage you to, to really press in. Not, not pressing in with the thought of, okay, what am I going to do? What am I going to do to impress God? What am I going to do? But to allow Him access to your heart. To allow Him to remove the things that hinder that, that interaction with His heart. And then I want to encourage you to, to take a risk. To take a risk. There's nothing in between us and Him that's worth holding on to if it prevents us from getting to Him. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident in this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. What he started, he will finish. Amen. Why don't we stand? I want to pray for you. Father, we're so grateful for you. Father, we thank You for, for just the seasons in life. We thank You for the, the new year. You know, You say that your, your mercies are new every morning, and it seems like every new year it's like this, this dawning of something new, this new opportunity to, to press into You, to know You in a greater way. And so we're just so grateful for those, those opportunities of those restarts, 
And so, Father, as we're early in this, this new year, Father, we just, we just declare that more than anything, we want You. And we know that as we seek You first, that everything else will be added. And Father, this evening, we just... We just, um, we open ourselves up. We give you access to the deepest places in our heart. And Father, we're, we may have experienced hurt. We may have experienced pain. We just may be, maybe we've been misunderstood. Maybe things just didn't work out the way that we thought. And the areas of our life where we've tried to protect ourselves, where we, where we think we're making ourselves safe, but really we're, we're creating a wall of limitations. Father, we just say that we want to bust through that wall to get to You. Holy Spirit, we just invite You to come. We honor You. We welcome You. Holy Spirit, would You come and do what only You can do? And Father, we just speak to the We just speak to the dreams and we just say, we just say, come forth. Come forth. Father, the, the parts of ourselves that we've pushed down to fit in, the parts of ourselves that, that, we, that we've pushed down out of fear or intimidation, we just say, come alive in Jesus' name. Come alive. You've been listening to a teaching from Vineyard Church. For more information on teachings and special events, visit us online at www.vcjax.org. That's vcjax.org.